Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. God helps those who help themselves. Or does he? Today is Pentecost, the seventh Sunday since Easter, which makes today the 50th day after Easter, if you count like biblical people do, starting with the first day as Easter itself. As I discussed on the Ascension, 50 is a sort of ultra-perfection. Seven times seven plus one. Each seven being a number of completion and perfection. And then you add one. It's like the cherry on top of your Sunday. Pun perhaps intended. Anyway, Christians did not invent Pentecost. It's definitely a Christian holiday that I'd like to see someone try to tell us which pagan holiday we appropriated, because this one was most definitely given by God himself in Deuteronomy. Pentecost is the Greek name, meaning 50th, given to the Jewish festival called Shavuot. Shavuot was an agricultural harvest festival and was the celebration of the first fruits, in particular of the winter wheat harvest. It was obviously a big Jewish holiday. After all, we see everyone's in town, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, shall I go on? Everyone is in town for the celebration. So that's the background. Everyone from around the world is gathered in Jerusalem when something spectacular happens. God joins the party. There was a mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire. People were hearing each other speak in their own language, no matter where they were from. It was so good that some of them thought the others were drunk, even though it was only nine in the morning. Peter, rather than sticking his foot in his mouth as usual, gave a rousing sermon that leads to thousands being baptized. God helps those who help themselves, or does he? For Peter declares as he's speaking to the crowd that, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We heard that was from Joel earlier. It isn't too difficult to call upon the Lord now, is it? Is that all we have to do? Well, there's clearly more, because just a few verses later, after Peter wraps up the first part of his sermon, it says that those who heard it were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter didn't answer, I just told you, call upon the name of the Lord. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ and for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Yet there's even more to this story. Does God really help those who help themselves? Did Peter get up completely of his own accord to give this amazing sermon? No, we know better. As I talked at the Ascension, which occurs 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, 40 represents the fullness of a period, almost always one of testing or judgment. I gave several examples from the Old Testament and the New Testament, the 40 days of the flood, the 40 years Isaac lived before he married um, Rebekah, the 40 days spent by Moses, in, on Mount Sinai, the 40 years the Israelites spent wandering in the desert, the 40 days Jesus spent in the wilderness tempted by the devil. I noted that the Sunday lectionary in that 40-day period revealed this to be a time of trial, 
how even though we wanted to fully live into the Easter joy, the feasting that we celebrate for 50 days compared to those 40 of fasting that Lent is, the gospel kept bringing us back to this tough reality. We're told how the disciples cowered in fear of the Roman authorities in the upper room. And even after Jesus had made a couple of appearances, they still seemed like they didn't get it. We see their trials week after week. Thomas is unwilling to believe unless he sees it for himself. We hear Jesus prophesy of his crucifixion and the three days he'll lay in the tomb likened to labor pains. We hear him warn the disciples that he will be leaving soon, which brings sorrow to their hearts. And the most recent one was that the hour has come when all the disciples will be scattered. Does this sound like the people preaching on Pentecost Sunday? We talked about how even with Jesus right there with them the entire time, the disciples failed in this 40-day trial. So much so we hear Jesus forcefully scolding them because of their unbelief and hardness of heart right before he ascends into heaven. They can't even believe in him when he's standing right there in front of them. It's clear that the disciples were not helping themselves. They went back to their day jobs. Jesus was giving them a hard time because they couldn't get it. They were just hanging out on Pentecost Sunday until, until God came. Now, God had just become incarnate, lived on earth for three plus decades, died a shameful death for them, was resurrected, resurrected and defeating death for them so that our final enemy was defeated. Spent time explaining everything to them for 40 days, took human nature into the very throne room of God, and 10 days later, here we are having to come yet again to save them, to save us. They weren't helping themselves. We aren't helping ourselves. Jesus told the disciples that he would send them a helper, and he did. And if it weren't for the Holy Spirit descending on Pentecost, everything would have just gone back to the way it was. We'd still be pagans. We'd just carry on with our lives, never really understanding or fully living into what Jesus did for us. Who knows what sort of idols we'd be worshiping, what crazy sins we'd be inventing. Oh, well, wait, I guess we're still doing all those things. And we are just in much of in need of God coming to save us today as the disciples were 2,000 years ago. And just as was the case back then, God doesn't help those who help themselves. God doesn't meet us halfway. God meets us all the way. Why? Especially after we've been and while we continue to be such a sorry lot. Why? Because he loves us. Have you ever loved anybody irrationally? Ever love someone who doesn't love you back, perhaps even directly rebuffs you? If not, I would guess you're probably just too young to know what I'm talking about. That irrational love, and I'm not talking about sexual desire, although that might be a part of it, because erotic love, the love that makes us want to be in complete communion with another, is a part of real love, and most definitely a part of God's love for us. Anyway. That irrational love that God has for us is the type of love that a good parent, shout out to all the dads today on Father's Day, has for a child. It's the love that a parent, a good parent, has for their child. Even one who seems out of, to, unable to stay out of trouble, whether that child is four or 44. So where are you meeting God? Although God comes all the way, we do have work to do. Just like the classic joke about the sinking ship waving off the Coast Guard helicopter, telling them that God will save us, we need to be paying attention to when God is helping us. We need to recognize that occasionally, usually rarely, 
something not so good happens to us where God is trying to knock us upside the head so that we pay attention. That's what good parents do too, right? To tell us that we're so far off course that we have to get back on the straight and narrow. However, as I told you recently, that's not God's fault. God doesn't cause any evil in this world. It's our fault. We cause the evil. We're just suffering the consequences that God normally protects us from. He's just letting us get a little taste of the consequences of our sin. And will we listen in those moments? We also need to be open. We need our hearts to be soft enough to accept God. Before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has obviously been around. He's eternal. I'm going to leave that to Stephen, who can perhaps talk more about that next week on Trinity Sunday, if he likes. But it's eternal. The Holy Spirit has also filled people before. For example, in chapter 27 in Numbers, the Lord says to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand upon him. In 1 Samuel 16, after David's anointing, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him from that day forth. Just like we heard in the Pentecost story. In the pre-Pentecost New Testament, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit when she exclaims to Mary, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So clearly the Holy Spirit has filled and guided people before. In fact, we think that without the Holy Spirit filling all things at all times, creation would just cease to exist. So what's different about Pentecost? Well, it relates back to the ascension again. At the ascension, Jesus, God, but also fully human, flesh and bone, mind, body, soul, brought man into direct communion with God and took humankind to God's right hand. That's the place of God's power and authority. What makes Pentecost different from all the other outpourings of the Holy Spirit is that God now comes to all of mankind. The Holy Spirit comes to sit at our right hand, our place of power and authority in the world, if, and only if, we are open and willing to let God sit there and act on our behalf. Are we ready to submit our wills fully to God so that he can act through us, in us? Are we able to love God, which Jesus tells us in the gospel today means we keep his commandments? If we're not, Pentecost is void of its power. Too many of us still want to keep God out of sight. We want a personal relationship with God, we say, but we don't seem to want to share God with others, or shall I say, let God share himself through us. We're just as selfish with God as we are with everything else. So often we just want God around when he's convenient to us. Too often we want God all to ourselves. We're ready for him to act in us, but not through us. But God doesn't think of us as a convenience to further anything for himself. Honestly, he doesn't need us. Yet he still wanted more. He wasn't going to be satisfied until he had fully restored his communion with us, a communion we lost by our own action as a prodigal son at the fall. And yet God, our good parent, didn't just welcome us back when we came begging. He pursued us. He chased us. He went beyond reason and went beyond just walking in the garden together with us again to bring us into the very life of God himself. That's one amazing story. And that's the story of Pentecost. 
So God helps those who help themselves, or does he? Well, it's like so many aspects of Christianity, a both and. Yes, God helps us even if we don't help ourselves. Again, he didn't meet us halfway, he met us all the way. And yet, we have to help ourselves and help God by conforming and moreover killing our will so that we follow his commandments so that God can help us and everyone else around us. So I urge you to fulfill Peter's Pentecost prophecy by bringing our God to you, to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Pentecost has made you the God-bearer now, filled with the Holy Spirit, the very hands and feet of Jesus, and the face of the Father. Follow Jesus' commandments, love God, and live up to your and my calling, and thereby bring God, the loving Father, the merciful Son, and the life-giving Spirit to everyone you meet. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.